You are listening to Learn Out Loud's Art History Podcast. Each episode provides thoughtful analysis of the enduring artistic masterpieces that have become a hallmark of Western culture. For a full listing of the podcast released by Learn Out Loud, please visit us at www.learnoutloud.com slash podcast. The Assumption of the Virgin, painted by Titian from 1516 to 1518, from Voyage in Italy by Théophile Gautier. The pearl of the Museum of Venice is a Titian, a marvelous canvas, forgotten and afterwards recovered, which has its legend also. For many long years Venice possessed this masterpiece without knowing it. Relegated to an old and seldom frequented church, it had disappeared under a slow coating of dust and behind a network of spiderwebs. The subject could scarcely be made out. One day, Count Cicanora, a great connoisseur, noticing that these rusty figures had a certain air, and scenting the master under this livery of neglect and misery, wetted his finger and rubbed the canvas, an action which is not one of exquisite propriety, but which an expert on pictures cannot help doing when he is face to face with a dirty canvas, be he twenty times a count and a thousand times a dandy. The noble picture preserved intact under this layer of dust, like Pompeii under its mantle of ashes, appeared so young and fresh that the Count never doubted that he had discovered the canvas of a great master. He had the strength of mind to control his excitement and proposed to the curé to exchange this great dilapidated painting for a beautiful picture, quite new, perfectly clean, very brilliant and well-framed, which would do honor to the church and give pleasure to the faithful. The curé joyfully accepted it, smiling to himself at the eccentricity of the Count, who gave new for old and demanded nothing in return. When relieved of its dirt and stains, Titian's Assunta appeared radiant as the sun when it bursts through the clouds. Parisian readers may form an idea of the importance of this discovery by going to see the beautiful copy recently made by Sereur and placed in the Beaux Arts. The Assunta is one of Titian's greatest works, the one in which he attains his highest flight. The composition is balanced and distributed with infinite art. The upper portion, which is arched, represents paradise, glory, as the Spanish say in their aesthetic language, garlands of angels floating and submerged in a wave of light of uncalculable depth, stars scintillating in the flame, and brighter glints of the everlasting light form the aureole of the Father, who arrives from the depths of the infinite with the action of a hovering eagle, accompanied by an archangel and a seraph, whose hands support the crown and the nimbus. This Jehovah, like a divine bird, appearing head foremost and with body horizontally foreshortened beneath a wave of drapery flying open like wings, astonishes us by its sublime boldness. If it is possible for the brush of a human being to give a countenance to divinity, certainly Titian has succeeded. Unlimited power and imperishable youth radiate from that white-bearded face that need only nod for the snows of eternity to fall. Not since the Olympian Jove of Phidias has the Lord of heaven and earth been represented more worthily. The center of the picture is occupied by the Virgin Mary, who is lifted up, or rather, who is surrounded by a wreath of angels and souls of the blessed, for she has no need of any aid to mount to heaven. She rises by the springing upward of her robust faith, by the purity of her soul, which is lighter than the most luminous ether. Truly there is, in this figure, an unheard-of force of ascension, and in order to obtain this effect, Titian has not had recourse to slender forms, diaphanous draperies, and transparent colors. His Madonna is a very true, very living, and very real woman, 
with a beauty as solid as that of Venus de Milo or the sleeping woman in the tribune of Florence. Large, full drapery flows about her in numerous folds. Her flanks are wide enough to have contained a god, and if she was not on a cloud, the Marquis de Guast might have put his hand on her beautiful bosom, as in the picture in our museum. Yet nothing is of more celestial beauty than this great and strong figure in its rose-colored tunic and azure mantle. Notwithstanding the powerful voluptuousness of the body, the radiant glance is of the purest virginity. At the base of the picture, the apostles are grouped in happily contrasted attitudes of rapture and surprise. Two or three little angels, who link them to the intermediary zone of the composition, seem to be explaining to them the miracle that is taking place. The heads of the apostles, who are of various ages and characters, are painted with a surprising force of vitality and reality. The draperies are of that fullness and abundant flow that characterize Titian as the richest and at the same time the simplest of all painters. What Catholic painting has embroidered with Tanya Bios upon this theme of the Madonna, without ever exhausting it, astonishes and confuses the imagination. But in reflecting, we comprehend that under the conventional type, each painter conveyed secretly, at the same time, his dream of love and the personification of his talent. The Madonna of Albrecht Dürer, in her sad and somewhat constrained gracefulness with her tired features, interesting rather than beautiful, her air of a matron rather than a virgin, her German frankness, her tight garments and her symmetrically broken folds, almost always accompanied by a rabbit, an owl, or an ape, through some vague memory of Germanic pantheism, may she not be the woman whom he would have loved and preferred to all others? And does she not also exceedingly well represent the very genius of the artist? As she is his Madonna, she might easily be his muse. The same resemblance exists in Raphael, the type of his Madonna in whom, mingled with old memories, the features of the Fornarina are always found, sometimes suggested, sometimes copied, most frequently idealized. Is she not the most perfect symbol of his talent? Elegant, graceful, and penetrated throughout with a chaste voluptuousness. The Christian nourished on Plato and Greek art, the friend of Leo X, the dilettante Pope, the artist who died of love while painting the Transfiguration, did he not live entirely in these modest Venuses, holding on their knees a child who is love? If we wish to symbolize the genius of every painter in an allegorical picture, would it be any other than the angel of Urbino? The Virgin of the Assunta, big, strong, high-colored with her robust and healthful grace, her fine bearing and her simple and natural beauty, is she not Titian's painting with all its qualities? We might carry our researches still further, but we have said enough as a suggestion. Thanks to the dusty shroud which covered it for so long, the Assunta glows with a quite youthful brilliancy. The centuries have not elapsed for it, and we enjoy the supreme pleasure of seeing a picture of Titian's just as it came fresh from his palette.